trust in you, that person is Peter. He's a crier too. We're just let's make him cry. So here's what I want us to do. Um, I want us to stand up. And I and I want us, yeah, we know, but it's also you and it's also for you. And I want us to just, yeah, cheer for Peter, love on Peter. And this is, listen, we're going to start, this is maybe just going to be so chaotic and weird, but this is just what I feel like we need to do right now. And I have the microphone, so we get to do whatever I say we're going to do. If he, if, so Peter is like a giant teddy bear. He loves people. He loves hugs. So what if we just did a giant group hug around Peter? <laughs> if you like hugs. <laughs> Just all the love to Peter, all the love that you have to Peter. Put it in this hug if you like hugs. If you don't like hugs, you stay. Okay. Go, go. Okay. And everybody on the count of three say, we love you, Peter. Ready? One, two, three. We love you, Peter. Are you okay? You all right? Okay. Now back to your seats. You're crazy. You're crazy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, if you have one thank individual you. hug for Peter, you, you can get it later. Thank you. This was a group hug moment. Oh, okay, we're hugging him. We're hugging oh, I got you a handshake, I got you. Wow. Okay, and that, Peter, is <laughs> where I'll leave you. Everybody not, give it up for Peter. not fair. Somebody lost one of those cool uh, things you stick in your Crocs that looks like a pink lollipop. I got you. Is, wait, whose is it? It's yours. I got you. No? It's not important. Hey, um, I'm so excited to be here. I love being at summer camp. I look forward to this all year round. I get super anxious the week before camp, and then when we get here, it's like the greatest time of year, and then by... Tonight, tomorrow, Sunday, Monday morning, I'm already starting to like mourn and be sad that it's going to be over and then we have to start planning for the next year. It's this big cycle. But are you guys enjoying camp so far? That's great. That's great. Um, for those of you that don't know me, I, I get the honor of pastoring our South Campus and some of our Dripping Spring students. Um, uh, I, I, I'm the oldest on our, our student pastor team, but I'm not going to say how old I am. I'm, I just celebrated my 10-year wedding anniversary to my wife, who's, who's here. Where'd Ashley go? Where is she? Hey! Um... And we are so lucky to have a, be a beautiful, healthy two-and-a-half-year-old daughter named Isla. And, wow, you guys are just <sighs> overflow. Um, and uh, for me, like Caitlin said, I'm a, I am a giant teddy bear. I'm kind of a sensitive guy. I can't even say kind of. I am a sensitive guy. Um, and for me, the biggest compliment that someone can give me just giving you guys a little, you know, insider information. Use it however you choose. Uh, is when someone comes up to me like, Peter, you just have such a good heart. I love that. Just refills my bucket. You have such a good heart. Um, something that goes even further beyond that. For people that know my mom or who knew my dad when he was alive. He passed away almost six years ago. Um, they come up and they say, oh, man, you got such a good heart. Your heart reminds me of your, your mom or your dad. I see them living in you. It's just like, I don't know. If, I didn't know how to respond to that. Um, but something that hardly anybody knows, including all my best friends, uh, most of my acquaintances, really just my wife and my parents and my brothers, I actually have a very serious and ugly family history of heart condition issues. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm getting older, so I have to start thinking about stuff like this. Sorry if this bores you, but, like, my dad's dad passed away before I was born. He died from something called COPD, chronic 
something pulmonary disease, basically like a heart and lung disease, when he was 67. So I never got to meet him. That was a bummer. Um, my dad actually had to have a pretty uh, severe surgery, heart surgery, for a double bypass um, when he was about 65. Luckily, they were able to do like robotic assisted with like arms that went, these robot arms that went in between his ribs. So they didn't have to like do the whole saw your chest open, and that's like, that's brutal. Um, my mom's dad had a heart attack when he was in his early 60s, but it didn't kill him. It was just like, whoa, this is serious. And my mom's mom died from COPD as well. So like if we're looking at my medical chart and trying to predict what's going to happen to me, it's not looking great. But, but how many of y'all actually like to go see a doctor or a specialist and find out what's going on? There's a couple of you. Wow, I'm impressed. Wait, go you guys. I fall into the category I do not want to know the bad news. I would just rather live in like this ignorant bliss of I feel good. Everybody looking at me thinks I'm in good shape, so I must be in good shape. I don't want to find out, oh, man, there's something you need to be checking in for. Beyond that, like I just don't, I know what they're going to say preventatively that I'm supposed to do to take care of my heart. It's stop eating so many salty foods. Stop eating so many sweets exercise regularly, run, walk, swim. I like exercise. I like to play basketball, but I do not like to work out. I, just to be blunt, I would rather watch people go through their workout routines in like a, a Twitter, or not a Twitter, a Instagram story while I'm eating ice cream and a bag of pretzels on the couch watching Netflix, like, like looking like the Thor dad body, just sitting there like, oh yeah, keep working out. What's going on in this? Like, um, yeah, I, I just, I'm scared what they would tell me, and I, I honestly just don't want to make those changes right now. So, and th that's not fair for Ashley. I'm sorry, Ashley. I got to take care of Ashley. I got to take, take better care of my daughter. I got to be thinking ahead. But right now, I'm like, can I just be young a little bit longer and not have to think about these really serious things? Um, but the reality is, I already know I have heart issues, and it's not because I have like a heart murmur uh, or I've, I have had some episodes where I was like, am I having a heart attack right now? And it was just really bad indigestion, but it scared me. Um, yeah, I eat really fast and then the stuff kind of... Um, but no, I, I already know I've got a heart problem because my heart has just been taking a beating from a very long time ago because of relationships that I've been in. Friendships, um, where my friends just didn't think what was best for me when they were making decisions. They didn't care for me well, and I let them do that. Uh, my heart's been kind of tainted by so many things that I've allowed it to be exposed to that seemed not that big of a deal. Um, and then over time, I could gradually see my heart changing in the way that I love myself, the way that I love others, the way that I think about God. Um, and this is a big one. I just know that my heart has become kind of calloused and numb and apathetic sometimes because I have this tendency when I'm struggling to want to do something to take the hurt away. I don't know if anybody can resonate with that, but it's like, dang it, I screwed up again. What's going to make me stop hurting the quickest? Give me that. Um, and I just rinse, cycle, repeat. And over time... It's gotten to a point where sometimes um, I can look at other people and go like, man, they're so alive. Why do I feel so dead inside? Has anybody been there? Anybody there right now resonate? Yeah. Um, last night, Caitlin delivered a heater. And, and Caitlin, <laughs> let me tell you, Caitlin gave all this praise on me. Caitlin deserves some praise too. That woman has a heart after Jesus. Yes. She, she truly has a heart after Jesus. And it, it, there was some stuff going on. It was bumpy for her. She had a rough, a rough night and rough morning. Um, but I truly believe that her obedience and her heart for God set the table for this camp experience. Um, and she talked about what an honor it is to be invited to a place of honor in the kingdom of God. Um, I think it's so cool that not only do we have an invitation to the kingdom of God, but that 
we have a place of honor. He calls us sons and daughters. That makes us royalty. That makes us heirs of the kingdom. That's like when people say good news, that's great news, really. And then to even think about, wow, I get to, to spend eternity, forever, infinite, in heaven with the king of kings as my dad, as my family, experiencing what that's going to be like. Wow. Mind blown. Um, but the good news that we talk about, that we call the gospel, it's so much more than what happens to us after we die. We all crave this thing that we talk about called eternal life, and we wonder what that looks like. There's something within us that goes, I want to live. I want something different, something more than what I'm experiencing right now. I desire that. And God says, I want you to have life and life abundantly. What is it? Where do I get it? Do I have to wait until this life is over for it to start? Jesus actually defined eternal life. He said in John 17, 3, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus preached that God's kingdom has come to us here, that we can experience God's kingdom right now. And it begins when you accept this personal invitation into a relationship where you come to know the only true God and his son Jesus who he sent. As a friend of mine says, um, he says, eternity is now in session. It's like classes in session. For me, it's like basketball season is in session. Eternity is in session. We're living in a time, in a space where God's kingdom has come, where it is happening. We have access to it here and now. Um, just an illustration of what that looks like maybe. Caitlin, I'll give you another, uh, another shout out here. Caitlin introduced me to Dutch Brothers Coffee. Anybody like Dutch Brothers? Wow. 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 So some of y'all coffee snobs. Isaiah. Isaiah. Sorry. Um, they're like, no, no, we need to craft from this country and, you know, pour and measuring everything out. I just like it sweet and large. Like, I'm okay. I'm okay if there's like four shots of espresso and the rest is milk and sugar and then all the flavors, like the Kokomo uh, at Dutch Brothers, life-giving. It's so good. <laughs> but, um, but when I, I got introduced to it, it was actually during YouthCon and she had gotten it up in like Georgetown or Round Rock somewhere at a location up there. And I tried it and I was like, oh, I like this. And then I looked at the map to see where all the locations were. Nothing in South Austin. Oh, devastated. It was so sad. But then the social media post that changed my coffee life, Dutch Brothers coming to South Austin on Manchac and Slaughter, basically, which is literally like five blocks away from where we live. I can experience this from the comfort of my own home regularly. If we had more money, we could experience it more often, but it's really expensive. And it's probably really bad if we had it all the time. But you get what I'm saying? Like, God's like, yeah, I'm giving you a taste of what heaven is like. I'm giving you a taste of what the kingdom is like. You think you have to wait to experience it? I'm bringing it to your neighborhood. I'm bringing it to your house. I'm bringing it to your school. I want you to experience it here and now. Right? Now... That should, that should raise some skepticism. Is that the right word? Yeah. Because the reality for many of us is, cool, um, why can't I see this kingdom? When do I get to experience it? I've experienced Dutch Brothers. That was great. Where is this kingdom experience at, right? Um, if that's you, you're not the only person who had that thought. I've had that thought. Um, Jesus' disciples had that thought. And the Pharisees, the religious experts who were just kind of following Jesus around, like looking for ways to, to point out his errors and, and make him look like an idiot and try and prevent him from doing what he was called to do. They asked him about it. And this is how he, he responds in Luke 17. It says, when will the kingdom of God come? That's what these Pharisees are saying. Jesus answered, God's kingdom is coming, but not in a way that you'll be able to see with your eyes. People will not say, look, here it is. Or there it is. Look, there's a location on Manchac and Slaughter. It's a drive-through. You get a sticker on Wednesdays. No, they don't. It's not like that. 
because God's kingdom is within you. And that response might make you angry. You might be, hey, I need to see it to believe it. And that's why uh, God says that he needs faith from us, even if just a little bit of faith. Yeah, but faith is for fools. Well, the reality is you walked in this room tonight, you picked a random chair, and I didn't see anybody get down on their knees and turn the chair upside down and inspect the welding and then check the cushion to make sure that the board isn't broken and make sure that it's all set together correctly before they sat down with their whole body weight. It required some faith. You came in, you believed that it was going to do what it said it was going to do or what it's designed to do, and you trusted it. Um, And the same thing is true for us. It requires some faith. Um, But the truth is, God's kingdom isn't an external kingdom that we get to observe. It's an internal one that we get to experience. Maybe I need to let that sink in for a second. Um, God's kingdom isn't an external kingdom that we get to see and study and measure and dissect and critique. No, it's an internal kingdom that we're invited to experience that we can actually never even comprehend unless it lives in us. I don't know, for some of you, maybe you have accepted this invitation to the kingdom already and you're saying to yourself, so why does my life not look different yet? I tried that prayer Uh, Maybe I tried it 10 times at this point. Every time that there's an opportunity to pray it, I prayed it. I try to go to church. I try to make it to students every week. I try to be a good person. I try to do all the right things. I try to make God proud of me. But honestly, I don't feel a whole lot different at all. What's wrong with me? I don't feel much different except at this point I'm just tired of trying. Um, For me... That's, that's my story. <laughs> um, I was raised by Christian parents. I grew up going to church. I accepted uh, an invitation for Jesus to live in my heart. And man, when I was a little kid, I was running down the hallways of my church, pulling my shirt up, pointing at my chest, Jesus lives here, Jesus lives here. My parents are like, oh, he's three years old, two years old. You know. um, and over time, um, yeah, I just, I, I just started to struggle, wrestle with um, what that meant for me. And it got into this rhythm of, yeah, God, God's real. Um, Jesus, Jesus is amazing, but there's something missing. I got to be trying harder. Um, I got to try so that I can make God proud of me. I got to try so that I can be acceptable to him. I got to try so that I can be worthy of what Jesus did because I, it just doesn't, just doesn't feel like this is something that should just come so easily. And the more and more and more I tried, the more it felt like I was trying to be the savior of my own life and I wasn't doing great at it. I wasn't experiencing the freedom that we jump up and down and sing about. I wasn't experiencing this fullness of life that Jesus said that he wanted to bring. In fact, I just felt like a fraud in some ways. I felt like, man, like, what's wrong with me? Why don't I get to experience this? I'm trying so hard. Um, and maybe that's, maybe that's what it is. When we're saying, like, why is my life not improving? Why are things not changing for me? Maybe the problem is we just keep trying. And that's not to say that God doesn't appreciate your, your, your effort, but it's more than trying on our, our, on our effort. Um, this really fabulous pastor from New York, his name is Rich, he said, and this is a heavy one, so stick with me, behavior modification without heart transformation will eventually lead to spiritual desolation. I'm going to read that one again because that's a lot. Behavior modification without heart transformation will eventually lead to spiritual desolation. So what ends up happening is we end up spending our lives trying to correct and modify our own behaviors. We end up trying to change things on the outside, but we don't allow God to transform us from the inside and transforming our hearts. And so we live in this constant tension. I don't know if you've been there before, where you know what you're supposed to do. 
and you know how you're supposed to act, and you know what your desires are supposed to be, but your heart seems to be pulling you in an opposite direction, kind of like what I was sharing earlier about not wanting to see the doctor. Yeah, but the way that I currently live and the way I used to be is just so much more familiar and comfortable for me. It's a lot easier for me to just keep doing the same thing that I know how it's going to respond to my body than to trust this big unknown thing and, and, and get some bad news maybe. I don't know. I, I just, I just got to keep trying and, and do it my own way. And all that behavior does is keeps us away from the one that actually wants to heal and transform our entire reality. The truth is we don't experience this kingdom life that we all desire because we have a heart problem. I have a heart problem. We all have a heart problem. And it's just a result of our brokenness and our rebellion against God. Similarly to uh, the heart conditions that I get from my parents, it's passed down generation to generation since, since sin and brokenness entered our world. We all have this. We're born with this heart condition. Um, let me talk about this heart problem for just a second. Jeremiah 17.9. This one, this one was an eyeball, eyeball opener for me. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Uh-huh. That's my heart? Deceitful of all things, desperately wicked? Like, I just associate hearts with love and goodness and beauty like, could you imagine a Valentine's Day card is like a big heart on the front and then it just said across it like deceitful, wicked. Like, happy Valentine's Day, babe. Love you. Like, but that's our heart. That's the reality of our heart. And, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, like your heart deceives you and it deceives others and it tries to deceive God, which is pointless, but it does. And the culture around us is so big on... Follow your heart. Your heart wants what it wants. Um, listen to your heart. I could sing a bunch of songs about that too. Listen to your heart. Um, no, 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 no. <laughs> My wife's like, please don't. Um, but we, we, we're surrounded by this, hey, just follow your heart. Do what your heart wants. Your heart's good. Your heart's beautiful. Your heart's lovely. All this stuff to the point where we become so obsessed with our heart, we make the heart that we have our king. And now it's telling us that the human heart is the most deceitful and it's desperately wicked. It's going to get us into some big trouble. Uh, but it gets worse than deception. Matthew 15, Jesus lists all these things that come out of the heart. It's probably going to be on the screen behind me, but I'm not going to read it off. It, all of these awful things that we struggle with, they all say, he says that they come from the heart. But God's designed us to have hearts that bring us life, not just in us, but through us. But because of our brokenness, our hearts have become toxic, poisonous, um, leading us towards death. Okay, okay, okay. All this talk about the heart. We're talking about heart, 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 heart. We haven't hardly talked touched on kingdom, right? Um, so, do you want to know what the kingdom of God is? Here's my, here's my spin on it tonight. The kingdom of God is the reign of Jesus in the hearts of his people. The kingdom of God is the reign of Jesus in the hearts of his people. And just to simplify even further, you want to experience God's kingdom? The kingdom means a new heart. Somebody say new heart. Turn to someone around you and say, we need a new heart. Okay. Um, so, there's a lot that we can learn about heart change, transformation in the Bible. But tonight we're actually going to go to this really powerful, uh, vivid illustration that we find in the Old Testament in the book of Ezekiel. So if you've got your Bible or you've got your Bible app on your phone and you want to follow along, we're going to Ezekiel 36. Okay, and while you're uh, pulling that stuff out, just a little bit of, of context. Um, Ezekiel, young guy, uh, part of the uh, nation of Israel, he is raised up and trained to be a priest. He thinks that he's going to be doing one thing for God. And 
everything falls apart for, for God's people. Um, they get overtaken by this group of, of other people called Babylonians. They get exiled, basically deported from their country, forced to live in some really um, oppressive conditions. And God's people become calloused and hard-hearted towards God. How could you not be a little hard-hearted and calloused when you think you're God's people or you know you're God's people and this stuff happens to you, right? And so they respond to that by starting to worship idols, worship things other than God, give the other things in their life that make them feel temporary pleasure, temporary happiness, their attention, their praise, um, their time, their, their offerings. And so Jesus, or not Jesus, what is Jesus? Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, calls on Ezekiel to become a prophet. Uh, for those of y'all that don't know a prophet, prophet is just somebody that hears messages from God and then communicates those messages from God. What a horrible time to be picked to be a prophet. When everything seems to be going wrong, when the world is falling apart, and God's like, yeah, I'm going to tell you what's going on, and I need you to, to tell this to people. Like, I, if it were me, I hate giving bad news. I'd be like, if they're all positive messages, God, I will be your prophet. If, if it's all uplifting and hopeful and encouraging, I'll do it, God. I will do it right now. If there's anything tough in there, I know a person that you should ask. Like, let's just pass this responsibility off. But it's like, no, it's you. It's Ezekiel. Um, and so Ezekiel gives a lot of hard messages to his people, but there's also some messages that he gives from God that are hopeful and encouraging and actually... Um, giving a glimpse of things that are yet to come, things that are going to happen that we see happen later in, in Scripture in the New Testament. And that's one of the things we're going to look at tonight. So, um, Ezekiel 36, 24 through 28, read along with me. This is God, again, speaking to his people through Ezekiel. We call him Zeke. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you'll be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. All right, so let's get down to the needy gritty. Um, if you want to experience the kingdom, you need a new heart. I already said it, but we're going we're gonna to hit home here. Um, Ezekiel, Zeke saying God told him, God's going to give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And I think it's incredibly important that God is specific, that this is a new heart. doesn't mean that God is going to take your existing heart, slap some band-aids on it, stitch up some things, um, kiss the boo-boo. And, you know, I have to do that with my daughter. She, like, falls down. Ah! I just go over and kiss. Okay, it's all good. No, like, this is a full-blown heart transplant, heart replacement. Um... Something I was thinking about, talking with God about earlier. I don't know if this is something or not. But um, when I was young, I invited Jesus into my heart. Right? Maybe this is just semantics and I'm thinking about it too much. But what this, what this passage is telling me is that I'm being invited to receive a new heart. I feel like there's something different, a shift. Um, the second thing, it says that he gives it. Somebody say he gives it. He gives it. He gives us a new heart. That means that you can't purchase it. Oh, God, I've been saving up my Bitcoin. Can I buy this new heart that you've got for me? God, I've been doing my chores. Can I buy this new heart? God, I've been attending all the services. I've been so hype up front during worship. Can I buy this new heart? God's like, no, fam, I paid for it. I'm giving it to you. I just want you to receive it. It's a gift. Woo! And it's a free gift that we get by grace through faith. And then he goes on to say, I will remove from you, ooh, it sounds painful, your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. There's something really cool in that, that he says a heart of stone and a heart of flesh. Um, the old promise, the old covenant that God had with his people, 
it was carved in stone. Ten Commandments written in stone. And it was a promise that uh, was written in form of laws, rules, a relationship that looked more like a legal contract, right? And over the generations of people that tried to follow this law and tried to stay on track, they kept adding more fine print, um, more nuances to these rules to the point where it became laughable. It was already impossible to be perfect across these 10 rules, and they just kept adding more and more and more. You want to make God happy? You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do it this way. You can't do it that way. No one was successful. Not a single person, really. Um, so God sends his only son, Jesus, and Jesus writes a new covenant, a new promise, but he doesn't write it on paper, he doesn't write it on stone, he doesn't write it on metal, he doesn't write it digitally, he writes it on our hearts, flesh. And this new promise that he gives with all of humanity, not just this chosen people, but with everyone, um, it says Jesus fulfilled all those laws that you couldn't fulfill. Jesus held up the end of the bargain that God wanted from this first contract that you just failed miserably at, fell on your, flat on your face repeatedly, had the viral videos of the epic fails trying to do. Like, Jesus is like, I got this. I'm going to wipe this slate clean and take care of these laws for you. And then he writes this contract, this new covenant on our hearts, emphasizing that we need to just focus on loving God Loving others as we love ourselves. Something that we all are instinctively born with an understanding of whether you believe in God or not. And it's all built on a personal relationship with him. It's not a legal contract. This is a, a friendship, an invitation to be a son and a daughter. It's personal. So do you have a heart of stone? Well, at some point in our lives, most of us have our innocence uh, whittled away, or maybe it's taken from us. The world's brutal. We live in a really tough world. I don't have to go into many details because I look around the room and everybody seems to be agreeing with me with the way you're looking, right? It's rough. Um, man. I just want to, I'm going to pause what I'm talking about for one second and just say, I was experiencing some nerves coming into tonight. Speaking in front of y'all is a huge honor to me. Um, and I was nervous that I wouldn't remember all these things that God spoke to me that I'm supposed to spoke to you. And that I might not, you know, lead well. But more than any of those nerves, the nerves that I had the most is that this is, this is a life and death thing for people that are here right now. There are people here with hearts of stone, people that are not alive people who are close to the end of their rope and, and God's saying it's time to have some heart surgery. Um, so if I get a little choked up or, or have a hard time, it's because I care so deeply about each and every one of you. Um, and this is God's heart for you. Um, yeah, so, so this heart that we have, we're born with it. It's already broken from day one, but our innocence gets stripped away or gets stolen from us. The harsh realities of the world that we live in, they just kind of make us um, tempted to numb, to withdraw, to um, try and cope on our own. And there is a thousand different ways that we can do that, right? Um, everything from uh, television binging and video game binging and social media binging to pornography, alcohol, drugs, like, there's just, there's so many options that the world just keeps pushing and putting in front of us. And the enemy's like, yeah, it's a brutal world, but this will take the pain away. This will get you rid of that shame that you're feeling. This will get you rid of that, um, that brokenness that you feel inside. Even if it's just for a minute, just keep coming back. It'll get better. And over time, our hearts just start to become more and more callous, more and more cold, more and more like stone. It can even make us like apathetic and cold-hearted towards other people. Have you noticed that? Like where you used to be like so loving and excited to see people. You've been, in a, been through a really rough season or just had a difficult life. And now you look at people and you're just like, I just don't care. I don't care about you. You don't care about me. But one of the scariest things is to trust somebody with your heart. Okay. 
I'm going to bring the, the atmosphere up because y'all are, this is a heavy one. I'm sorry. How many of y'all have had your heart broken before? Hi, you thought I was going to say something fun and happy. Wow, it's a lot. Okay. Uh, don't be looking around the room because I know some of you are like, the person who broke my heart is here. That's just awkward and uncomfortable. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Um, I don't know how y'all deal with heartbreak, but thinking about the first time I had my heart truly broken, Ashley earmuffs, or you can go for a walk or something, you know. This wasn't her. This wasn't her. This is somebody else. Um, so I'm in college, and I have this girl who I'm really good friends with, honestly, but I'm also attracted to her, and I'm single, and she's single, and I'm, like, mustering up the courage, like, am I really going to put my heart out there and be vulnerable? YOLO, let's do this. And so I, I, I'm hanging out with her one day, and I was just like, yeah, like, I, I just think you're the coolest person. I, I really like being friends with you. But I'd be lying if I didn't say I wanted this to go further. Like, I, I actually really want to date you. I like you like that. Do you like me back? Probably sounded way worse when I said it back then. And, uh, <laughs> oh, man, something already knowing what the next part of the story is. It was, a, it was a big N-O. It was like, not, not feeling that. No, you're cool and all, but no, I'm not like that. And, uh, and so not only did I just get like shot down, the friendship was ending too because the friendship wasn't going to be normal after that point also. It's just dead, done, buried. It's over. Um, and so I'm like, I, I'm a very sensitive person. I'm a hopeless romantic. I spend all my time listening to all these sappy love songs. And this happens to me and I'm just like, oh, my life is over. But I know every song for this moment. And so I lock, so I lock myself. <laughs> I lock myself in my dorm room. And I close all of the shades, all the curtains. Like, I want no light in this room whatsoever. This is my time to mourn. And I'm listening to all my playlist, like my pre-curated playlist, In Case of Heartbreak, play all these songs. And, like, it got bad. It got bad. Like, I'm not eating, but I'm also watching, like, the, uh, the what was it, Protection for the Cruelty of Animals commercial with Sarah McLaughlin. You guys know what I'm talking about? Where she's like, in the arms of the angel, fly away. And then you see like puppies that have been abused and they're crying and kittens. And I'm just like, I feel like these animals. This is relatable now. And then to make it even worse, I had a roommate. And my roommate had no other place to stay. So my roommate's in the room while all this is happening for like a week and a half. And my... My roommate would, like, go over and, like, open up the blinds, and then I'd get up crying and just go close them again. Man, so awkward. I feel really bad for that guy. Um, I hope he's all right. <laughs> but if you've had your heart broken before, maybe it wasn't by somebody that you were romantically interested in, but somebody that you opened your heart to that you were vulnerable with let you down. How could an experience like that not make you guarded in a way? Right? And here we are talking about giving your heart to God. But God looks at this condition that we have, that we all have in our heart, and he says, I see somebody in need of a heart transplant. Man, I'm having trouble trusting somebody else with my heart. You want me to trust you with a heart transplant? It's like a trip to the doctor. No, don't want to do it. Um... Guys, <laughs> I, I want to share a video with you. I'm trying not to cry again. Um, this man, his name's Bill Connor. He has uh, or had a daughter named Abigail. And Abigail was on a family vacation in Mexico, 20 years old, and she tragically drowned and died. Um, but Abigail and her parents... Um, had made a decision that she wanted to be an organ donor. 
you know, I don't know, for those of you that are getting your licenses, they ask you, do you want to be an organ donor? You can get a little thing on your, on your ID that says, like, in the case that I die, I want my organs to be donated. Well, the same time that Abigail dies, another 20-year-old named Lamont um, has a heart problem. He's had multiple heart attacks, uh, I think some seizures, and it's close to the end for him. So I just want you guys to watch this little clip, and then we'll, we'll wrap things up and move on from there. Bill Connor is nearing the end of a 2,600-mile trek on a bike. It started in Madison, Wisconsin in May and is about to end in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The photo on the back of his bike is his daughter, Abigail, who drowned during a family vacation in Mexico. She was only 20 years old. Her heart was transplanted into the chest of 20-year-old Lamont Jack Jr., who was suffering from fatal heart disease, and he was waiting for Bill at the finish line. Congratulations, man. You made it. A tearful embrace followed. He's the perfect recipient for my daughter's heart. Uh, I wouldn't want it any place else. The two men spoke at a press conference at Broward Health Medical Center after the bike ride ended, and Lamont was so overcome with emotion, he couldn't even finish his sentence. I had eight days to live, and if it wasn't for Abigail. He showed us his surgical scar, still visible. His parents are very grateful. It's really sad that she had to lose her life for my son to live. Bill has a new name for Lamont. He calls him Abby Jack, a combination of his daughter's first name and Lamont's last name. I see uh, a new family member. I see a good kid. There was one thing left to do. Bill wanted to hear his daughter's heart beating in Lamont's chest. She's working. Another tearful moment. <sighs> Two men bound together by a tragedy that offered the gift of life. Where are the tissues at, Spec Ops? I'm sorry. I'm not. <laughs> you guys, I've, I have watched like... 30 of videos like this of people who've had heart transplant and every time I'm, I look like the crying Jordan meme, like just ugly crying. But how could you, how could you watch that and not be moved? Right? Moved by the tragedy of it, 20 year old, her life cut short. The beauty of it, another 20 year old, who the, I think they said he had like eight or nine days left to live, having the perfect heart recipient for him, or him being the perfect heart recipient for her heart. Um, and what really touches me the most is watching Bill meet Lamont and the way that he looks at Lamont and the way that he cares about Lamont, the way that he hugs Lamont, the way that he kissed Lamont's head, the way that he encourages Lamont. Um, and I feel like that's how it is with us, with God. Now, Bill didn't know that his daughter was going to die. His daughter didn't know that she was going to die, at least not then. Um, but God knew what was needed, what was necessary in order for us to live. And he willingly chose to give his only son to die on the cross for us. The cool thing is that because of Jesus' sacrifice, he made this new heart available to all of us, but Jesus overcomes death. He's very much alive. Um, but it still stings when we think about what Jesus did on that cross, right? It's kind of like those parents saying, it's hard for us to think that somebody else had to lose a child in order for our child to live. It's hard to think about God losing his child so that we can live. But like Bill in Lamont there, sharing that moment, when we receive this invitation for a new heart, God sees his son's heart beating in us. He hears God's, he hears Jesus speaking through us. He sees his son living through us. He gives us a new name. He gives us a new identity. We're welcome into this family I think something that, that really prevented me from experience, experiencing what I'm talking about tonight for such a long time was 
this feeling of shame and guilt. Why would, why would God make a trade like that? I think Lamont seems like a worthy person. He seems like a great person. But me? There's nothing good about me that God would want. Why would God make a sacrifice for my life like that? My life's a mess. My heart's a mess. And so King David, he put, he put this out there in Psalm 51. He said, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O oh God. I, I realize King David, he gets a little emo, but he gets it, right? God doesn't desire perfect. In fact, he wants the opposite. He wants you to bring your busted heart and an honest acknowledgement that you desperately need him and a little bit of faith to trust him to provide it for you, to, provide, to be able to perform that heart transplant surgery. One of the prayers, um, one of the prayers that I prayed and it was at a really dark time in my life. I was about 20, 25 years old. For those of you that heard me share about my, my past and the whole shutter shade thing, uh, I just basically had a, a time in my life where I was living a prodigal son life. I was out to do everything that I could to try and find happiness and joy. I was partying five nights a week, sometimes more. Um, and... I would come home to my, my apartment, my place where I was living, and just feel so empty and depressed and sad and like, why? I, I have my dreams right now. Why do I not feel better about it? Um, I had people that were like wanting to be my friends, wanting to hang out with me. I felt really popular and cool, and yet here I am, depressed, isolated, alone, and it got so bad at one point, I remember I was by myself and I was just weeping. I couldn't stop crying. And I, I believe that God existed, but I hadn't been talking to him in a long time. And I just kind of prayed out loud, like, do you not love me? Why, why is my life not making me happy? Why is it not bringing me fulfillment? Why do I not feel like I have purpose? Because I dreamt of doing this and I'm doing it and I don't, I'm not getting the experience that I wanted out of it. Um, and it got so bad in the silence, not hearing God's voice in that moment to speak to me, that I'm like, if this is the best that life is, like, maybe life just isn't worth living. Um, I don't know if some of you have been there. It's, it's just an awful place to be. I was desperate, but I didn't know what I was looking for. And, um... Something shifted in me. I decided to pray this prayer. I decided to pray, God, give me um, eyes to see things the way that you see them and give me a heart that feels um, and breaks the way that your heart sees and feels and breaks for, for me, for others, for this world. And something changed. It was like I, unlo I unlocked a door and opened up a, a different chapter at that point. Um, it's a scary prayer to pray. <laughs> uh, I'd say don't pray unless you're really ready to, to go on an adventure because, man, the way that I saw myself, the way that I saw others, the way I saw the world really changed before, like in a moment, and, and, and it's tough. Um, you guys see me cry often up here. <laughs> um, there was a moment when we were having one of our all-campus worship nights up at North, and I'm just looking out over y'all in the front area and over the room, people that are in the space. And I, all I could see was just so much brokenness um, and a heart of God that was crying out for his, his children. And I'm crying and I'm like, oh gosh, I don't want to explain this to anybody. This is so awkward and uncomfortable. Um, I remember I was in a church and this little girl dressed in like brand new outfit um, comes walking down the aisle, and all of these adults are staring at this little girl like, oh my gosh, she's so cute. Look at this beautiful child. Whose child is this? Oh my gosh, can I take a picture with your kid and pretend she's mine? Like, they were really just gushing on this kid. And from the back of the room, I see a man who I'm 90% sure was homeless, um, ragged clothes, dirt on his face, smelled like alcohol, stumbling, 
down the aisle to the front, and it was God speaking to me. You see how people looked at this girl and, and what they were saying about her? This heart that you asked me to give you, these eyes that you asked me, me for, they're saying that that's, the pers- that's a person that should be said the same things of. I want people to see that person that same way. And it hurt. It was convicting. I was like, um, man, sorry. It's opened my eyes to see so many things differently. Um, I just can't look at things the same way. I can't experience life the same way. Um, when I'm on watching television or I'm seeing the news or I'm on social media and I just see like growing division in every way, shape, and form, um, politically, racially, economically, um, seeing this kind of n- not new, it's, it's actually an old thing, but it's kind of a revived cancel culture thing, people wanting to cancel everybody, cancel things. Um, when I see poverty, when I see social injustice, when I see um, school shootings, like it's just, I see all these things and my heart is breaking. Caitlin said, I spend a lot of time praying for you guys. Like I'm just praying in general 24 seven on stuff because it's just so much is overwhelming. But I think the thing that heart breaks me the most and maybe, maybe I need to offer an apology, is seeing a world where there's people out there that are saying if God was real, then God would do something about this stuff, right? If God loves, then God would do something. And seeing a world where there are Christians, people who believe in God, whose hearts have been moved towards God, but whose hearts haven't been moved towards others, um, who hold back um, hold back making sacrifices, hold back loving, um, don't speak the truth in love. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. I'm trying, um, keep it together, keep it together, keep it together. Um, So I just want to apologize, I just want to apologize if that's been your experience, if that's been your perception, if that's been the thing that keeps you from trusting God with your heart, you're like, yeah, it's just, it's all a bunch of crap, a bunch of hypocrites. Yeah, nobody's perfect. We don't go to, you know, to a gymnasium and go, everybody's out of shape here, can't go to that gym. No, we're there because we're trying to work on ourselves. But we do need to apologize. For many of us, we believe that God has called us to love each other, to bring God's kingdom here. And we think it's about us and God, and and that's about it. So I just want to say I'm sorry. Um, That's the first piece of it, right? We need a new heart, but if we want to experience God's kingdom, it also means we need to move our heart or for our heart to be moved. And I'll invite the, uh, the worship team back up. Um, yeah, experiencing the kingdom of God here and now, you've got to allow God's heart to move towards his and towards others. We want to see the, wor- the world that, that God promises us to experience this eternal life that God promises us. We need to move, and we need to be led by this heart that he gives us. Um, again, Jesus, he said, you fulfill all of the law with two. The two most important. Love God, love others, uh, love your neighbors, yourself, even love your enemies, right? And so to be moved in your heart, to be moved by your heart, it's a huge sign that God has given you this new heart, if you're questioning that. It's a whole nother level to be moved by your heart, right? To be moved by your heart, to be uh, compassionate towards others and respond with action. So what's holding us back, right? I think we just got to be desperate enough to see the doctor. We have to know our need that we've got an issue and be desperate enough to, to go to the doctor, to get that bad, that bad news, hit that hard truth. Yeah, my heart's in bad condition. I need a heart transplant. And we need to give him our whole heart because it doesn't work so well when there's two on the throne of our heart. There's only room for one king. That's scary. It's scary. It's scary to think of just one person having the throne of our, our hearts. It's, it's scary to think of having heart surgery, having a heart transplant. But I can tell you with all the confidence in the world that the only one who is worthy of being king, the only one who's worthy of being trusted with our hearts is Jesus. Everything else will let you down. Um, earlier tonight, 
we sang that song, Move Your Heart. How many of y'all love uh, Maverick City and Move Your Heart? So good, right? And, and for me, the first time I heard that song, I was like, wow, this is really catchy and it's so good. But it was almost triggering for me. I just want to move your heart. That's all I want to do. Man, I'm not trying hard enough. How could I move God's heart? I'm falling short. I'm failing. God must be disappointed with me. And all these beautiful things that I'm going to sing all the songs, give you every melody, give my whole life to you. Man, I, I just fall short of all those things if I were being honest. But God spoke to me through that song, and he said, that chorus, that's not you singing to me, that's me singing to you. Um, I just want to read those words over you, and, and I want you to hear God's voice saying this to you, to, to your life, to your heart. Jesus says, I just want to move your heart. It's all I want to do. I just want to stand in awe and pour my love on you. No matter how much the cost, I freely give it all to you, to you. So the question is, we move back into worship and a time of response is, will you receive this gift? Will you take the courage that's required to see the doctor? Love how, I love the scene um, I believe it's in Mark. Um, don't I need to, we don't need to put a scripture up if I did have a scripture for that. But uh, Jesus is hosting a dinner party with some spiritual misfits. Just call them that. People that um, the, the Jewish leaders, the, the uh, Pharisees were like, oh man, these are all the people you don't want to be associated with. These are all the people that are screwing it up big time. These are all the people who we don't like. And Jesus could hear these these critics mumbling, look at this guy, Jesus, he hangs out with sinners. Who is this guy? And Jesus kind of claps back. He says, who needs the doctor? The healthier, the sick. I'm here inviting the sin sick, not the spiritually fit. That's the message translation. I love how that's worded. Who needs a doctor? The doctor's here, you guys. The doctor's in the building. Um, and he's not looking for people who are trying to earn it themselves, pay for it themselves, show off their spiritual uh, physique. He's looking for people that are just going to be honest and broken, knowing that they need a heart transplant and are willing to receive it. Um, so we're going we're gonna to enter into a time of worship. I'll invite you all to stand if you want to. You can stay seated if you want to continue to just talk to God. Um, but the question I want you to be thinking about, something to talk to God about is, am I ready? Am I ready to receive this new heart? Do I want my life to look different than it did last year after camp when I came home and, and things started to look like they hadn't changed at all? Am I tired of living the same broken patterns of numbing myself, feeling shame about it, feeling like God could never love me, telling God I'm gonna try harder and rinse, cycle, repeat. Is tonight the night that I want to make that decision? And it's a personal decision. You don't need to look at the people who are up here. You don't need to look at the people that are sitting next to you and go, what are they doing? I, I, I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing right now. It's not about them. It's about you. Just a moment between you and God. So, so just take the time. Um, speak to God with, uh, with God about it. Um, and if you're ready, you can pray that prayer. You can pray the prayer, uh, God, I, I'm in need of a, a, a king over my heart, and I'm ready to step off that throne, kick the other kings that I've placed there um, out of the way and give you all that throne, give you all that power. But God, I'm ready for a new heart. Take this heart of stone out of me, God. Give me a heart that, that lives again, that feels again even though it's going to be painful at times, even though it's going to mean that I'm going to be aware of things that are tough. Move me with compassion for the people around me because I want to see change happen. I want to see um, my family members healed 
and saved. I want to see my my parents who are struggling um, find you and find healing. I want to find healing for the things I struggle with, my mental health, the depression, the anxiety, the addictions that I keep to myself. I'm ready. And, and God will respond. And ultimately, God, just give me a heart that, that feels, that sees others, that sees the world the way that, um, that yours does. And those calluses can just begin to shed away, fall away. The blinders that we, that we have over our eyes will start to deteriorate. You'll start to see the world the way that it really is through God's eyes. And I said I was anxious earlier. Just, just one more thing. I said I was anxious earlier because I do believe it's life and death. Yes, it's very metaphorical, heart of stone, heart of flesh. Um, but when I talked about the kingdom being something that we can't see, but something we experience, there's a battlefield going on around you guys. And you guys get tossed around, beat up by things that we can't see, forces of good and forces of evil that are vying for that heart that you have. I just, I desire so much in God's heart, desire so much that you could claim that victory that was, that was paid for already, that's a gift to you, that you would be freed, experience freedom, that you experience life again, and not just the life that you thought you had when you were young and you were so excited about everything, but a fullness of life that only comes when you get this new heart from God. You move God's heart. Yeah, so let's enter into a time of worship. You guys can, um, if I can ask the prayer team to come up, our student directors to come up. If you need somebody to talk with, to process, to pray over you, we are here for you. If you want to stay put and just spend some time talking with God, being honest and vulnerable and real with him, he can take it all. You can be angry with God. You can be frustrated with God. He'll still love you and listen to you and be there for you. Um, but let's get honest. Let's, it's time for a whole heart a whole new heart. Yeah. I just want to move your heart. It's all I want to do. I just want